Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Greg. I'm Cameron. And I'm Dan. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Last time we read about the princes of the Eldalier, Finway, his sons Feanor, Fingolfin, and Finarfin, and their progeny. The Teleri established the city of Alqualunde, north of Tyrion. The Vanyar moved to Valinor permanently. Today, we continue with Chapter 6 of Quinta Silmarillion, and we're beginning on page 63 in the second edition. Chapter 6 of Feanor and the Unchaining of Melkor Now the three kindreds of the Eldar were gathered at last in Valinor, and Melkor was chained. This was the noontide of the Blessed Realm, the fullness of its glory and its bliss, long in tale of years, but in memory too brief. In those days the Eldar became full-grown in stature of body and of mind, and the Noldor advanced ever in skill and knowledge, and the long years were filled with their joyful labors, in which many new things, fair and wonderful, were devised. Then it was that the Noldor first bethought them of letters, and Rumil of Tyrion was the name of the lore master, who first achieved fitting signs for the recording of speech and song, some for graving upon metal or in stone, others for drawing with brush or with pen. In that time was born in Eldamar, in the house of the king in Tyrion upon the crown of Tuna, the eldest of the sons of Finwë, and the most beloved. Kuru Finwë was his name, but by his mother he was called Feanor, spirit of fire. And thus he is remembered in all the tales of the Noldor. Muriel was the name of his mother, who was called Servinde, because of her surpassing for her hand he was deprived of joy. After a while, he went to Lorien no more. All his love he gave thereafter to his son, and Feanor grew swiftly, as if a secret fire were enkindled within him. He was tall and fair of face, and masterful, his eyes piercingly bright, and his hair a raven dark, in the pursuit of all his purposes, eager and steadfast. Few ever changed his courses by counsel, none by force. He became of all the Noldor, then or after, the most subtle in mind and the most skilled in hand, in his youth bettering the work of Rumil, He devised those letters which bear his name, and which the Eldar used ever after. And he it was who, first of the Noldor, discovered how gems greater and brighter than those of the earth might be made with skill. The first gems that Feanor made were white and colorless, but being set under starlight, they would blaze with blue and silver fires, brighter than Halloween. 
and other crystals he made also, wherein things far away could be seen, small but clear, as with the eyes of the eagles of Manwe. Seldom were the hands and mind of Feanor at rest. While still in his early youth, he wedded Nerdanel, the daughter of a great smith named Matan, among those of the Noldor most dear to Aule. And of Matan he learned much of the making of things in metal and in stone. Nerdanel also was firm of will, but more patient than Feanor, desiring to understand minds rather than to master them. And at first she restrained him when the fire of his heart grew too hot. But his later deeds grieved her, and they became estranged. Seven sons she bore to Feanor. Her mood she bequeathed in part to some of them, but not to all. Now it came to pass that Finwë took as his second wife Indis the Fair. She was a Vanya, close kin of Ingwe the High King, golden-haired and tall, and in all ways unlike Mirio. Finwë loved her greatly and was glad again. But the shadow of Mirio did not depart from the house of Finwë, nor from his heart. And of all whom he loved, Feanor had ever the chief share of his thought. The wedding of his father was not pleasing to Feanor, and he had no great love for Indis, nor for Fingolfin and Finarfin, her sons. He lived apart from them, exploring the land of Amman, or busying himself with the knowledge and the crafts in which he delighted. In those unhappy things which later came to pass, and in which Feanor was the leader, many saw the effect of this breach within the house of Finwë, judging that if Finwë had endured his loss and been content with the fathering of his mighty son, the courses of Feanor would have been otherwise, and great evil might have been prevented. For the sorrow and the strife in the house of Finwë is graven in the memory of the Noldoran elves. But the children of Indus were great and glorious, and their children also. And if they had not lived, the history of the Eldar would have been diminished. So in summary here, we hear that the Noldor continued to grow as a people. They develop written language. They advance their crafts, their various crafts, and they, they joyfully labor, devising new things in the world. Feanor is born to Finwë and his first wife, Miriel. Miriel's strength goes forth into Feanor, and she dies shortly after. Finwë then lives in sorrow, but he sort of focuses all of his love on his son, Feanor, who grows, pursuing knowledge and skill and even advancing the letters that were previously made and mastering the crafting of gems. He marries Nerdanel, and they have seven sons. The two of them later become estranged. Finway does remarry eventually, and uh, he has two more sons with his new wife, Indis, Fingolfin and Finarfin. That last line's pretty cool, that the children of Indis um, 
and her grandchildren, if they had not lived, the history of the Eldar would have been diminished. What a cool line for just our children and children's children. Like, just, yeah, the, the generations that followed upon Indus were changed the course of history for the better. So, so I have a question for you two. Oh. When I was reading this, it reminded me of some article I read a, a couple years ago. Um, that was kind of asking, when did humans become modern? And it kind of compares, like, when uh, there's archaeological evidence that our brains, our human brains, were the same pretty much as they are now. And it's, it kind of uh, compares that to hardware. Like, humans have had this hardware for a while, but having knowledge built upon the other knowledge of humans has allowed like software upgrades, if you will, in the human hardware. Now, when I, um, when I read all those previous parts that we've read, in my mind, the elves were kind of fully formed. They were kind of at their peak level already, but this is saying they actually were developing here. And in a sense, what we've already read was kind of like prehistory for the elves. You know, they didn't have writing until just now, but, um, what what was it like for the elves before this? Were they bumbling? Were they Neanderthals or something? Like were they they still talked and stuff? I guess, but I don't know. Does it? Yeah, it's like they they didn't they had music or some form of music. They could sing, but they didn't have words. Like they didn't or they didn't write down words. So then, what was their language? It's interesting. Interesting thought. Did they have? Did they have sorrow before? Has that Do always been... Do they have what? Sorrow. Oh, that's another good question, too, because it did mention that Finway was the only one who was sad in all of Amon when his wife dies. Yeah, which she did not to... I mean, she died from sadness, right? Yeah. She, like... Which was startling to me because uh, elves are supposed to be immortal right so well, they're, they're immune she from, die from weariness um yes she, she did, put all right. of her yeah. she kind of put all of her life force into feanor yeah she yeah, she, says, she died from weariness which um but in in the how she talks about it though right um it seems well maybe i'm reading into it but when she says never yeah, it just again, sounds like my wife at the end of the day Never again shall, shall I bear a child for strength that would have nourished the life of many has gone forth into Feanor. So yeah, okay. She's weary, but you're right. Feanor is the one who is 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 sorrowful. But we do know that grief... I mean, grief and sorrow are the things that can kill an elf, as can somebody killing them. But they can't die so, of old age, and they can't get sick. So... So that's just striking to me that she's, part of, she's, yeah. she dies. Part of what we're saying is that Amon or Valinor, it's not really quite heaven. You know, no, right. there, there are bad things can come into it still. It's not like just eternal bliss or something. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it's like she, she, die, she dies of this thing that wasn't really preventable. And it causes anguish in, in these elves who are supposed to be these high kind of creatures who... Um, don't really suffer in the same way that humans do, but yet at the same time, kinship. Maybe that's what it's to show is that kinship is super important to them. Um, and 
it is something that makes or breaks them. Um, for I have a, I have another question that's related to this. Um, so, in our understanding, evil can be seen as a privation of good, right? It's not something in itself. It's the absence of good things, right? Like yeah. Blindness isn't a thing. It's the lack of something good for an eye. Right. Yeah. So when you say and, blindness is evil, we're not, we're not saying like, oh, there's evil spirits, but we're saying there's an absence of a good and that goodness is sight. Fullness, health, yeah, sight. Fullness, health, your, sight. Your body functioning as it's supposed to. Yeah. And, I mean, this is an Aristotelian like view of good goodness and evil. And evil right. Yeah. So, that's so, so my question. Okay. So here's, I know some people don't like when we talk, Catholic stuff. Well, but... we're not. We're talking Greek right now. We're not talking <laughs> well, Catholic. I'm about to there. I'm about Greek to there. So, like, in the Catholic worldview, Which evil. Is Aristotelian. <laughs> there is no, there is no evil in the world prior to the fall of man, right? Like, yeah. Um, and so, it's that act of disobedience to God that, in that evil comes into the world, and it's it's altered permanently. Um, so even things that weren't affected like directly by the disobedience of man, there's like suffering in the world because there are these privations of goods, right? So my question for you guys is like, where? That's not how this seems to be. Like, what? Where does the evil come from in this world? Well, so it began the when the story was told originally. It was Melkor's music. Music, yeah. And then when they saw the music play out, we saw Melkor just running wild with, you know, destroying things, creating freezing cold and like lava and creatures and then casting shadow and like doubt and disorder upon things like death, you know, making death something different. Um, it, uh putting fear into people's hearts, like with mm -hmm. Arome, you know, mm -hmm. on his horse, like making people afraid of him. So it seems like uh, Melkor was the one who just uh, began the, the evil in the world. Yeah. It, and let me, let me ahead. answer you a question yeah. real quick, Greg, yeah. uh, for, um, yeah. So Melkor sows this sort of discord into the music, but then we hear Tolkien talk about sorrow coming into the music as well. But the sorrow isn't coming from Melkor. It's actually coming from the uh, Aina, right? Mm -hmm. As they're making the music. And that's that the sorrow in of itself is not evil. It's not a yeah. privation. It's not an absence of a good. In fact, probably it's a new thing that has been created. A new good. A new mm. good. So the sorrow that comes in, though there's pain with it, it's not it's not bad. And actually that's a really comforting reminder for us that like it's it's a good thing to grieve the loss of people it's a good thing to be um sorrowful it can be it can turn into a bad thing when we when we make it the be all and end all um so i i like i like how he's introducing these characters like it's a complexity to their character like there is a privation and the privation is i guess her her life her death she she dies but then his response is 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 a sorrow um which isn't necessarily bad yeah it's interesting because that kind of her death is bad right we can say that even though it wasn't maybe there was no one at fault she just 
died in this process um, in kind of a surprising way, like you said. But the effect of that, like kind of like what you're saying, the sorrow that Feanor felt um, really drove him into a, in like a bad place, to a bad Finway, place. Finway, Finway, right? Well, F- well, Finway is sad too, but he he doesn't really do anything crazy. He just eventually, um, you know, takes a new wife and has more children. But Feanor, especially, um. There's something kind of disordered in him where it's 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 kind of like this burning passion, right? And when it got pointed in a wrong direction, which is his just disdain for his half brothers, you know, um, that's kind of when things okay, so take fin- a bad turn for him. Let's just do a quick recap of who these people are. Finway is uh, the Feanor king of the Noldor, father. Yes. Is that correct? Yep. Yes. Yep. So his mother, Miriel, has died, and um, uh, Finn Finway, the the father, um, he lives in sorrow, right? Um, but Feanor seems to just be growing, but he's passionate. But then one day, Finway decides to take another wife, and Feanor doesn't take too kindly to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and is that the source of Feanor's, um like difficulty? It, it's interesting how it says it. Um, I'm reading from the bottom of page 64. It says, but the shadow of Muriel did not depart from the house of Finway, nor from his heart. And of all whom he loved, Feanor had ever the chief share of his thought. So I wonder if there was some l- level where he kind of neglected his two other sons because his grief and sorrow for his first wife led to him sort of favoring Feanor over his other two sons. Yeah. But it, but just to clarify, it is Finway who's the one who's like grieving in a bad way. Who's yeah. letting the sorrow kind of turn a bit sour. Yeah, that's correct. And if Feanor, mm-hmm. if the question is like, where does Feanor, where is he you know, starting to go wrong. I don't think it's happened really yet. I just think he's like... The seed is there, though. The wedding of his father was not pleasing to Feanor, and he had no yeah. great love for Indies, nor for Fingolfin and Farfin, her sons. So you can see that there's a little bit of, like... There's division, which is yeah, like what we say. Like, okay. It's a privation of a certain good, yeah. the good of unity and uh, family bond, right? It makes you wonder, you know, Finway was deeply... Um, hurt by the death of his wife. Um, why, why, why is he remarrying? Like, what, what, what is, what is, what's the kind of motive there? And maybe. Oh, maybe, I have a, I have something to add to that. Yeah. Because he does say part of what made him sad, in addition to the death of his wife, was that there's the Noldor were still in their youth, and. He wanted to bring more children into the blessed realm and the, into the bliss of the blessed realm. So there was something that he desired, you know, that was a good thing that he desired to like, this was this good thing that they had, this place that they dwelt of bliss. And he wanted more people to be incorporated into that, more people to be brought into that, his children, but he couldn't do that anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. That, in fact, when, when, um, Miriel first says to Finway about like I can't I'll never bear a child. I thought it was going to go down the route of fertility, um, and I thought okay maybe there's going to be like 
some uh, adultery or something like that that happens, but she dies. Um, but it's pretty poetic, right? Because she, she talks about, like, the strength of me, the life that has come from in me has gone into Fëanor, and, like, that's... I'm depleted. So she go, goes to a place of fertility to die. Mm. Um, she goes to a garden, which is supposed to bear forth, bear forth fruit, and then she dies. But then we also kind of learn a little bit about... Um, like she looks like she's basically sleeping so it's a peaceful death and she's in the hall of mandos which is a cool mm. reminder of that valar who we hear about rather rarely and i don't know you guys know this but i don't know whether his his character plays a big role beyond that's just where people end up they just go to mandos um yeah but it's a good reminder of that valar Here's some lines I really love about Feanor. Um, Few ever changed his courses by counsel, none by force. Mm. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, just the, that whole paragraph is great. Um, you know, tall, fair of face, masterful, his eyes piercingly bright, his hair raven dark, in the pursuit of all his purposes, eager and steadfast. Um, the most subtle in mind, the most skilled in hand. Yeah, you just get a good image of, of this man, like the most talented of the Noldor, and uh, who like won't be convinced that what he wants to do is, is wrong. Well, sometimes he's convinced, but never by force. It's always by people explaining to him that, oh, yeah, you should probably change your mind. And he, he probably mm -hmm. thinks it was his idea all along. <laughs> But then he meets uh, Nerdanel, which, by the way, Dan, what do you think of that for your name, Nerd Daniel? Yeah. I mean, that would be very twenty twenty two. Nerd Daniel, yeah, yeah. To name what do you think of that name. for next? next what would episode? my my pronouns be? Uh, the daughter of a great smith named Matan. So what would that be? You <laughs> <laughs> would. <laughs> comment in the chat section well, so you don't know, this might be like an androgynous name this is only the first occurrence this is, of this name we've we're heard. talking about a a female here yeah yeah yep. okay so um, just she her but you are a nerd and you're dan just because yeah. cameron brought it up uh is it she her or what is it so i would say well here's another line i'm just gonna move on and read <laughs> oh okay uh, that's probably, right. that's and i'll, I'll comment yeah, on that too cameron for you <laughs> so Nerdanel, um i can see why uh Feanor fell for her because she's also firm of will but more patient um and i like this line desiring to understand minds rather than to master them mm -hmm. which as a man i'm like what's the point in just understanding someone if like what's the purpose of just to understand someone <laughs> like to, to have a conversation just to understand is is hard for me to do like i want a purpose beyond that um and i feel i you know i relate to fianor in that sense that i uh -huh. i try to get my will out of people and situations and then it's so funny that she bears seven sons to fianor <laughs> it's just so funny to me that like fianor is born and he's so strong that his mother you know passes away and then he can only have sons he's just like this uber <laughs> male 
very virile by yeah. the very definition of the word. Yeah. Um, Great characters. Cameron, you were talking about Feanor's character earlier, um, and that kind of went back to uh, what Greg was talking about, which was the development or the progression of the elves. And it says, and I don't know who this character is, it says, in his youth, bettering the work of Rumiel, he devised those letters which bear his name and which the Eldar ever used ever after, which is really cool. Yeah. Like, he basically turned sounds into runes that could be used to... Well, he, he advanced the existing ones. Rumil is the lore master that's mentioned earlier in this chapter, who is the one that right. creates the oh. signs. Oh, yeah, the runes. Okay, so Rumil is the rune master, and then he converts it into more of a language Yeah. than just mere symbols. Yes. So that's a cool little uh, hat tip to your question earlier about the de- we're seeing the progression. The development of the, of the people, yeah. yeah. I've, I do, okay, I have one last thought that I, I do want to get out here. Uh, I believe it's in this reading that we are doing now where it talks about how in uh, in Amman, this is where there are – oh, never mind. This was last week. I'm sorry. <laughs> I won't bring it up. <laughs> I wanted to talk – but I, it seems like there's um, – you're All revealing the how that... we record these episodes. How dare <laughs> yeah, you? Breaking the fourth wall. Oh, last week. Yeah. yeah. Last week. The, uh, last week, last week we read about... <laughs> last week we read about um, how all creatures that there are in the world dwell in Amon, except for the evil ones that Melkor twisted. Oh, yeah. But there oh, is something about that where like Amon is kind of like the platonic ideal of the whole earth or something like that, you know? All the things that um, are contained in the world are are like images of what's in Amon. What? Wait. So didn't some elves stay back in Middle Earth, though? Yes. So what does it mean to say all creatures are in Amon? At that time. It's a time period thing. But at this time, there's there's elves who had stayed back in Middle Earth, like Thingol, Elian, like those those elves. Well, this is in the context of them learning about all the beasts and creatures that that dwell so in the world. So maybe no like creatures. The children of Iluvatar are there, but no creatures. Okay. And the way it says it, it's kind of like it makes it sound like if there is a fish somewhere out in the world, it's also in Amon. But not the other way around. There are things yeah, that can yeah, only so, be. Yeah. There's, there's like there's yeah. like unicorns in Amon, but there aren't unicorns in the rest of the world. I don't know. I see. Something like that. All right. Well, let's wrap up here. If you like what you hear, go ahead and rate us three Silmarils out of three. Follow us wherever at Before the Fellowship. I think I meant to say everywhere, but wherever, everywhere, <laughs> wherever you want, everywhere, ever, Before the Fellowship, and send any comments or questions. Before the fellowship at gmail.com. Join us next week's next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard, but now you've heard about one fifth of The Silmarillion by J.R.R. R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm.